there. You're listening to the Collective Church Podcast, recorded live at Collective Church in Roanoke, Texas, with co-lead pastors Courtney Clark and Megan Lawton. Enjoy the sermon. God, uh, just thank you that we're able to be here and gather together today. Um, I just pray that um, you're with us and that we're able to take something with us today as we go about our week. Uh, in your name, amen. So as Megan said, this is part three of our three-part series, Where Do We Go From Here? Um, and we've kind of been talking about where our church is going to go as we're transitioning from Rob being in leadership to Megan and I um, taking over leadership. Um, and last week we talked about community within the church and kind of what that looks like and about how we're intention- we should be intentional um, and generous with each other as we're building community and kind of what that looks like as we work together to form a community of grace and peace. Um, but that grace and peace can't stop with just us. It has to go beyond the walls into the community that we're a part of because we exist in Roanoke and we exist in DFW and grace's peace are for Roanoke and DFW as much as they are for us. And so um, from the beginning of our church eight years ago, we set the intention to partner with organizations that are already out there being the hands and feet already out there sharing the grace and peace. We um, delivered like basic care packages and hygiene products with um, Hand of Hope Ministry. That's right, Project Hope. I always mix it up, Project Hope. Um, To the homeless people in Fort Worth, we have partnered with the Roanoke Food Pantry to collect um, food that they are out there serving the people of this community. They know what they need and and they're delivering those things as they see fit, as they um, see needs arise. We have always used local restaurants when we're catering. That's why we're having this week's um, anniversary dinner catered by Dock Street Grill. They catered last year. Every year before that, we've used um, another restaurant that's on Main Street right here. Um, We wanna make sure that we're supporting local businesses as we're kind of doing things. And we're gonna kind of keep that intention of partnering with local businesses as we have events. Um, Other things we've done, we took donations uh, money and also just goods to donate to a church that was on the coast after Harvey kind of helped rebuild after all of I mean, people lost everything in that hurricane. So we've partnered with churches down there that are being the hands and feet and sharing grace and peace after a natural disaster. We've collected gift cards and donated gift cards to families that have lost their homes to um, just people that as they like see need or as we see need as people as ask for it we're giving gift cards. We keep. We used to keep a stock of gift cards in the supply room to just hand out as people needed them. Um, we've done so many things over the course of eight years. We've partnered with so many organizations and we want to continue that. We want to continue to work with organizations that are being the hands and the feet. And these organizations have a unique relationship with the community that they're a part of. They know the intimate needs of the people groups that they serve. We never intended to start our own food pantry um, because the Roanoke Food Pantry is out there. They're already doing that. They know what that group needs more than we do. We didn't start our own nonprofit. We partnered with Denton County Friends of the Family because that organization was started by survivors of domestic violence. They know what that transition from domestic violence to independence looks like and they know what those people need and they're actively out there doing that day in and day out in a way that we couldn't do on our own. Um, There's something about just listening to the people that are in these marginalized communities and seeing their humanity 
gives them so much life when their humanity has just been stripped from them. So when organizations are listening to them and participating with them, it gives them back that humanity that they've lost, that they've been, that's been stripped away. Feeling heard and understood is important. Um, so going forward, we're starting partnerships with the community storehouse. Um, they serve a wide range of school districts in this area, providing food and clothing and basic needs to ensure that children in those school districts aren't just attending school, but they're actually thriving in school. The academically, socially, emotionally, that they have everything that they need and their families have everything that they need for those kids to thrive in school, not just make it day in and day out. We are partnering with a ministry called Noah's Ministry that is out there actively making sure that families of special needs uh, individuals feel welcomed in the church when I mean, really, people of special needs are not welcome in the church in most places. And Noah's ministry is training churches and people in ways that they can make sure that those, our spaces are safe for people of special needs and that their families feel welcome to bring them here. But to be honest, caring for others didn't start with us. Community service isn't new. It's not something that our church has just started doing. It's been around since the beginning of time. Um, we can see dating all the way back to the book of Leviticus in the Bible, um, the, the Israelites are being urged not to forget the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner. So let's look together at Leviticus 19.9. Um, it's in your bulletin if you want to take a look, but I'm also going to read it for you. So it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Don't go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So this is saying um, when you have a field and you're going and you're collecting your harvest of whatever crop it is that you grow, you go around once and then you go back a second time to make sure you didn't forget anything. And this is urging the Israelites not to do that. It's saying whatever you have left, leave it for the people who don't have the ability to grow crops or themselves or don't have access to food the way that you have access to food. So this command isn't just for Levi Leviticus, isn't just for the Israelites, it's for all of us, but it's repeated throughout the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Um, we're seeing here that there's an assumption that there's a responsibility for those people who have things to leave any extra for the people who don't have things, whatever those things might be. And at this time period, um, men really had the most social clout. <laughs> so they could purchase and sell freely. They could operate autonomously. Then, so when it's calling attention to the orphan, the foreigner, and the widow, it's because these three groups don't have that privilege. They can't operate autonomously. So for children or orphans, um, their children in general are rated lower than cattle. At least cattle can work on the field for you. They can earn you something. Children just have need and they can't provide anything back in return. So they're not considered valuable until they're able to work on the farm. But if you don't have a family that has a farm for you to work on, you're kind of left hanging to fend for yourself as a child. Widows. So women um, are, are seen to have no value in this time period. They, um, their value comes from the men that they're connected to. So if you're a virgin living with your father, your father takes care of you and you have value within that home until you're married. And then once you're married, your husband takes care of you and you're seen to have value based on the value of your husband. But if your husband dies and you're left a widow, 
You have no one left to care for you and no way to make money outside of prostitution and begging, or oftentimes probably both. There's no social clout. There's no way to be autonomous, really, unless you're attached to a, a man in some way. And for the foreigner, or what we would call the immigrant, um, people at this time period didn't just relocate for fun or because they got a different job or they're like, I want a change of scenery or I don't like the weather here. <laughs> um, it was normally because of some sort of trauma occurred. It was, um, they, their water supply became contaminated and the whole village kind of had to scatter to different places that had clean water or they ran out of food. Um, their crops stopped growing because of famine, because of drought or whatever reason and they had to find somewhere that had food or they were a part of one of these other marginalized communities. They were an orphan or a widow somewhere else and were fleeing for their safety somewhere out to somewhere new <laughs> that might welcome them in, that might care for them. Um, but these urgings, these laws aren't just for Israel, as I was saying. They're for all of Israel, for God himself and for us. So in Deuteronomy 10, 17, God himself is described as caring for the orphan the widow, and the foreigner. Let's take a look. 10, 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God mighty and awesome, who shows no particularity and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. So again, we see this, the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner. And then it goes on in verse 19. It says, you are to love those who are aliens for yourselves and aliens in Egypt. Continue, God is saying God cares for these people, and then he goes on to continue to say, you must do the same. And this is actually the most common um, verse 19 command given in the Bible, is saying, don't forget where you came from. You came from a place of oppression and enslavement, a place that did not value you. Don't be like the people that you fled from and take the humanity away from another group. Don't be the kind of people, don't be the kind of country that's built on immigrants and then be hostile toward immigrants. Sound familiar? Um, so, so well, it's not only welcoming these people in these marginalized communities, but serving them, making sure that they are cared for and they have everything that they need. This is profound for this time period. Um, and when, at the time when this was written, everybody kind of operated from a place of survival. Um, so if you didn't provide value to the community, you couldn't grow crops or work in some way that made money or made something for survival, you were left for dead at best or killed um, because it was easier to move on without you. But this, so this is absolutely profound and life-changing for these groups of people to say, no, we're going to be different. We're not going to kill them off. We're not going to leave them for dead. Instead, we're going to give them everything that they need so that they can be successful, so that they can survive and thrive in our community. But the urging to care for the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner doesn't end in the Old Testament. We see in James chapter 1, um, let's look there, verses 26 through 27, it says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, 
to look after orphans and widows and their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So again, we see the orphan and the widow. They are powerless in this society. And James, the writer here, is urging them that take care of them, provide for them, and be with them in their position of pain. Be with them, support them when they have no one else to do so. Um, and he's saying, this offers nothing to you. <laughs> um, this isn't going to benefit you in any way. In the beginning of this passage, when he's saying um, to bridle your tongue, he's saying, you're not doing these things to go out and tell everybody, look at all these good things that I did. I provided all of these things for all of these people, and I have so many orphans living with me. It's, no, you're not doing this for yourself. You're not doing this to get social points. You're providing them. James is providing the pe- his reader with the freedom to serve and peace and love without expecting something in return. It's not using your social position as a power to hold over the disadvantaged, but recognizing your power that you have because of your social position and using that to serve and love in grace and peace for the disadvantaged. And then again, we see Jesus himself in Matthew 25. I know there's a lot of scripture today. This is the last one, I promise. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Matthew 25, Jesus says, um, verses 34 through 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, come to you, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Jesus is giving us a picture of what the kingdom of God looks like and telling us how we can participate in bringing it here and now by being love, by being and inviting grace and peace. He's, it's not saying if good people that do these things and take care of other people are going to go to heaven when they die. It's saying, no, you have the privilege of operating and existing and sharing the kingdom here and now, right now, in the things that you do. And you do that by loving and caring for the least of these, by recognizing the least of these and operating in grace and peace in everything that you do. You can participate. But the question becomes, who are the least of these, right? So in our day and age, we have foster care and social workers that take care of the orphan. And widows don't have limits on if they can remarry or if they can get a job. Um, Their move to independence, um, theoretically, I guess, is easy if you don't count the death of the person that you love. Um, But those people are cared for in a different way than they were in Israel. But in the 21st century, who would be considered the least of these? You could argue that the foreigner's position hasn't really changed at all. (laughs) So I would start there. We have, um, I mean, children that are still at the border that have been separated from their families as they were trying to immigrate here for safety. Um, And there's no real plan to um, 
to reunite them with their family. Um, we don't even necessarily know who their families are because they weren't keeping track of that. Um, getting a visa status here, um, there are decades long waiting list just to be able to come here legally. Um, and then once you do have it, you kind of have to jump through hoops to keep it. <laughs> um, we have a friend that um, came here as a student and graduated, got a, uh, well, while he was a student, had a student visa and um, couldn't buy food. So he had to take a job under the table just to be able to survive. But he was here legally. He had a student visa. He graduated, um, and then the process to get sponsorship through your employer takes a very long time. And you have like a year between when you graduate and your visa status is up for renewal or something. I don't know the exact verbiage, but his um, student visa was gonna lapse before he got employment sponsorship. And he had to go back while working full time for a second and a third master's degree because the waiting period was so long for him to be able to stay here legally, even though he'd been here for years. Um, so there are black people of color that experience police brutality and hate crimes at rates that are rapidly rising. We saw that significantly in 2020 and it's just continued to go up. 80% of LBGTQ youth have been assaulted or threatened, each instance of which increases their already really high risk of suicide. The disabled community faces a disparity a huge disparity in employment. As of January 22, the unemployment rate for disabled people eligible to work was double that of the able-bodied community. Statistics show that there are 5.1 million households in the U.S. That's households. That's not including individual people in the house. Households. And the U.S. alone experience food insecurity, meaning they don't know where their next meal will come from. That's why we've chosen to partner with the community storehouse um, to make sure that we're doing our part to be able to participate in feeding the people that might not know where their next food meal is gonna come from. Those kids um, that don't know where their food is gonna, like they might not have anything to eat over the weekend because they rely on breakfast and lunch at school. Um, the special needs community is all but forgotten in most spaces. Um, there are a lot of hoops you have to jump through to be able to get resources. And then those resources, public resources at least, expire once you graduate out of the public school system and you're left on your own. And these families have someone that they need to care for. Um, and therapy and the things that they need to be able to really survive and thrive in their day-to-day -day life are very, very expensive. And they're left to find a way to pay for them on their own. That's why we're partnering with NOAA's ministry to make sure that those families of special needs individuals know that they have a safe place, that they can be here and loved and cared for. Um, but that ministry is also out there educating on the reality of what it's like to be a special needs family um, and helping people find access to resources once their kids graduate out of the public school system. So there are 50% or 57%, excuse me, of homeless women are homeless because of domestic violence. This is why we partner with Denton County Friends of the Family to collect clothing and linens for women and children that are transitioning away from violent homes towards independence. I could go on, really. The list of marginalized communities is not small. Um, there are significant disparities in, uh, for people that live in these marginalized groups. They're in every aspect of their lives. Their access to healthcare, employment, housing, access to services like welfare, Medicaid, Medicare, disability, 
not to mention the acts of violence that they face on a daily, daily basis and the, sti the stigma that they have to live with. They often end up suffering silently from abuse, assault, exploitation. They're suffering silently because they have nowhere to go. So who are the least of these? Anyone who's ever felt less than. Anyone who has ever been harmed and had no place to turn because they wouldn't be believed or cared for. Anyone who has ever felt unsafe in their own home or walking to the grocery store simply because of who they are. Anyone who's ever been pushed down and abused by the very system that was supposed to care for them. Those are the least of these. So starting now, we're collecting uh, feminine pads and other paper goods for the community storehouse. You can put those on that table over there in the back corner. Um, we are gonna continue collecting blankets and clothing for Denton County Friends of the Family. That basket is out in the foyer by the check-in desk. Um, we're also gonna be partnering with the community storehouse uh, once a month to put together snack packs. So what these are, they go to students that are receiving free and reduced lunch over the weekend um, because those kids um, I typically don't have access to food because their parents are working, because their parents don't have the money, they're home alone, so they, pr they pack things that kids can open and eat on their own. Um, some things that they can heat in the microwave, like macaroni and cheese, popcorn, um, but ideally things that don't have, require a whole lot of work that a four-year-old or a five-year-old could open and just eat so that they have something. Um, and then we are, so we're doing that once a month, and then NOAA's ministry. We um, are organizing a training with NOAA's ministry so that we can start putting on respite nights. Um, once a quarter probably for special needs families so that they can come and have a safe place to leave their loved ones so that they can go out and have an hour or two of a break um, and know and trust that their loved one will be safe with people who are volunteers that are trained and know what they're doing. Um, but we want to encourage you to serve in areas that are important to you. Find organizations um, that are important to you. You can bring them to us. Um, we can partner with them as a church, but it can't just stop there. Um, grace and peace go with us everywhere. It needs to be how we live our lives, the intention of everything that we do. So what other things can you be generous, generous with in your community? Can you work on cars? Maybe you can help a neighbor change their oil. Um, could you help someone paint their house that's unable to paint their house? Can you help your grandma's friend set up her new computer because she doesn't know how? <laughs> um, you know, diff diff different things. We all have skills and things that we're good at and we can be generous with them. And I don't want you to hear me saying that we're supposed to be doing these things because we're supposed to be doing these things to just check off of a list. Um, that's not the point. Um, and that's just gonna do you more harm than good. But I'm saying operate from a grace and peace perspective because it's ingrained in our DNA. It's been interwoven from the beginning to love and care for the least of these, for the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner. The Old Testament created something completely new in urging the Israelites to care for the rest, the people that the rest of the world has forgotten. Jesus showed us what it looked like to bring the kingdom here by loving and caring for the least of these. James urges us to do the same out of love, not to gain status. We're called to continue in the same, to identify and care for the least of these the orphan, the widow, and the foreigner. Though they may look different today, the call is still the same. So I'll leave us with this. May we, as a church, listen to the cry of the least of these. May we not ignore those who the rest of the world has forgotten. May we share grace and peace 
for everyone. May we participate in the kingdom as Jesus did, as he urges all of us to do the same. Let's pray. Um, God, thank you for grace and peace. Um, thank you for letting us participate in the kingdom here and now. Um, I just pray that as we go out this week, um, we can be grace and peace for those in our families, those in our communities, um, and have grace and peace for ourselves um, when grace and peace are kind of void in the world. I just pray that as we go out this week, we're able to um, live this, be this. In your name, amen. This has been the Collective Church Podcast. We post episodes every week on Sundays. If you're interested in supporting our church, you can give at collectivechurch.net slash give. I hope you enjoyed listening.